0: Welcome to the Engineers Collective, the monthly podcast by New Civil Engineer. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to have the latest episodes delivered straight to your device. The Engineers Collective is powered by Bentley Systems.
1: Hello and welcome to the Engineers Collective, our first episode of 2020. I am Mark Hansford and I am joined as ever by my co-host Alexander Wynn. Hello. So Alex, 2020, we have got a big year for the construction industry ahead. Since we've last been on air, if that's what one calls a podcast, being on air, we've had a general election. We don't yet know exactly who might make up Boris Johnson's actual cabinet, because the reshuffle is in the offing. We haven't yet had much strategy come forward because we are waiting on a budget.
2: We know there's going to be Brexit, though. That's what Ah. I suppose has become a little firmer. That's true. In light of the December election, I suppose.
1: That's true. We are definitely leaving the EU someone quite soon now, actually, aren't we? Um, In about four days' time, in fact. Um, Does that mean Prime Minister Boris Johnson will be remotely interested in infrastructure schemes and infrastructure matters, or is he going to be spending the entire year and then some negotiating trade deals with the US, the EU and everyone else in the world?
2: Yeah, it does feel like a sort of national dust-settling moment, doesn't it?
1: A little bit, yeah. I can't see, despite, and I support all the wise industry heads out there and industry bodies who are saying infrastructure schemes are crucially important. And, And yes, they are. But is that what Boris Johnson's thinking right now?
2: Hmm, It's tricky. I suppose we know there's gonna be a budget in a couple of months time, but there's a sort of sit on your hands and wait and see moment going on with that in that respect. I guess there's the operational maintenance money still flowing as normal. That's maybe the emphasis for people, the focus area, sort of business as usual, if they can focus on that for now. The strategic stuff, the future of motorways in the UK, What's the best way to make them more resilient? Expand them? That's still a question to be answered.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'm sure you're right. And the one big thing which we're all eagerly waiting on is for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to to read Doug Okaviz's uh, review of High Speed Two um, fully, respond to it, and uh, and and we will see where we go with HS2. And um, again, it's it's very much up and yeah, a lot of people. For Christmas, I think, based on the leaked version mm. of, of Doug's report, we're thinking brilliant. It's all go, but since Christmas, and of course publication of the of the, another, <laughs> the minority report from mm. from from Law and and some other stuff that we see in the press suggests that maybe it's not a slam dunk, and not could... that
2: harmonious on the review panel. Perhaps. No.
1: So yeah, where, where will HS2 go? There's clearly some fierce lobbying going on right now at the moment to, from, from the businesses, business leaders, transport leaders, and in, in certainly in the, in the big northern cities like Manchester and Leeds, which of course will be most directly connected mm. to phase 2B of HS2. Still waiting to hear.
2: Talking of lobbying, I mean, there's also lobbying perhaps to a smaller degree on the size of their loudspeaker but the wildlife trusts are concerned about the ecology again it's but still it feels like a project in its early germination rather than something that's been going on for many years and actually operational in the ground it's it's a strange one
1: it is it's almost like every time it's back to back to square one isn't it it's, yeah. it's like a Groundhog day thing you can never really get out of planning
2: yeah. talking about mm. groundhog day not so much getting out of planning but groundhog day Crosshill is on the way yes think. yeah Coming, not this year? No. But next year?
1: Yes, unfortunately 2020 is not really going to be a year for Crossrail, is it? As, a year uh, for
2: many big delivery no. items. No,
1: opening in 2021, we, we hope. Um, that's what we're now promised. So yeah, Crossrail, a year of getting on with.
2: Yeah, um, testing really starting to ramp up soon. It'll be interesting to see how well that goes.
1: Maybe we need to look abroad. Maybe yeah. abroad is going to be the the, the, the year for the, for the for the big project delivery. Um, But even that's a bit tricky, isn't it? Where are we in there? Australia. Mm
2: -hmm. We
1: we are writing about this month in terms of the infrastructure projects they have got planned there. And there's a a question asked. You could ask a question. Is it the right time to be talking about infrastructure in in, Australia Australia as it it obviously battles the wildfires?
2: Well, if we're all serious about net zero and climate change effects and putting that absolutely central to any of the engineering projects that go on around the world. It does seem to beg the question, climate change affects first, infrastructure second is that not the priority? Again, it's one of those, it's like we've talked about before, Grenfell in recent times, Paul Travera. these moments feel like a big wake-up call. It, it, it's an opportunity for engineers to speak a bit more loudly, more collectively I suppose about how modern and visionary and clever they are in their work.
1: Absolutely, and I'd urge everyone to read our interview with Paul McCormick in um, in this month's issue, um, because clearly they, there is a great desire to say business as usual. We, you know, we still need these infrastructure schemes. We still need great engineers um, from the UK and around the world to come help us deliver them. Um, but your point—it's it, spot on, isn't it? There's a really interesting question. A lot of these projects are they're doing—they're road projects, actually. They're in a nation which we know is still quite keen on the fossil fuel. They are roads that should be driven on by petrol and diesel cars. So is there a, yeah, there's a, there is an interesting question to be asked mm. about, you know, have they got the right projects, but yeah. you know. That's...
2: I suppose it's gonna be really difficult for everyone to really work out, keeping a flow of an industry going and keeping the money coming in, the projects going, but finding that tipping point where Everything is being done with a real future view in mind. It's, it's an interesting time.
1: I mean, close to home, of course, Heathrow will put its development consent order in at the end of this year. That's something that will happen this year as yeah. a, in a sort of a major project.
2: For people who maybe don't know what, that means what are the implications of it? development well, yeah. so yes yeah.
1: so that, that is its official planning application to the planning inspector who will who will decide uk, government, it? Plan UK government planning inspectorate they will have 18 months to consider it it's, it's a fixed time and then government <laughs> very has,
2: speedy as all very speedy
1: But certainly speedy when it's been in the past.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> it doesn't sound speedy does it but Not it's to that's the speedy the, apparently um,
2: layperson perhaps no. but you know can, can be forgiven for thinking yes. it is
1: yeah a longer
2: so, station so it,
1: that, you know, that goes in and that really does start the, start the ball rolling. And of course, you know, the question that does get asked quite a lot is around that net zero issue is can you even justify building runway expansion in the UK or anywhere mm. um, in the light of net zero? We will be talking to um, Expansion Director Phil Wilbraham um, shortly and we'll ask him that very question.
2: Let's bring in Phil now.
0: This podcast is brought to you in association with Bentley Systems. Valued for their depth, breadth and scalability, Bentley software solutions can help you gain insight from the data you create and coordinate, improve decisions and achieve better business outcomes. With digital technology changing the way the world lives, it's time to apply digital technology on infrastructure projects to close the productivity gap with other industries. Your organization may already be going digital, but if it's struggling to embrace change or realize the benefits of digital technologies, Bentley invites you to gauge your organization's progress by taking one of our Going Digital assessments. Work with a partner you can trust and accelerate your pace of possible by going digital with Bentley at bentley.com forward slash going digital.
2: This month's guest is Phil Wilbraham, Heathrow Airport's Expansion Programme Director, with, of course, responsibility for new projects, including the Third Runway. Having overseen the completion of Terminal 5 and delivery of Terminal 2 at the airport, if anyone can oversee this big project, Phil can. An accomplished civil engineer, Phil previously worked for TPS Consult, DHV and Mott MacDonald as well. And today he also co-chairs Constructing Excellence.
3: Well, welcome, Phil. Um, Great to have you with us. It's fantastic to be here and great to be part of this podcast uh, so early in in 2020.
1: Absolutely. And what, well, 2020, here we are. What an exciting year. Quite an exciting year for Heathrow, possibly. Lots going on. Do you want to just sort of kind of catch us up really, bring us up to speed, yeah. what's been happening last few months and, and what is going to happen this year.
3: So uh, it's going to be a very, very exciting year. So our, our big um, milestone this year is to get our DCR, development consent order planning application in, which we're going to do in quarter four of this year. So Fantastic. we've got lots of work still to do to get to that point, but uh, we've got people, you know, teams working on it, but we've got a very, very clear deadline and uh, it's great that we've got that certainty and we can really... Push on, and then we look forward to engaging uh, with with the the in fact development consent order process, planning inspectorate, etc. Over about an eighteen-month period, so, so there's a huge amount of work as we take forward our master plan, which we shared last year in our consultation, our statutory consultation, which was in uh, sort of June to September last year. That's the master plan we've now been working on. We've got all the feedback from the consultation. We've we've worked on that master plan. We'll, we'll go through another master plan gateway this year, and then we'll be ready with all the documentation that goes with these DC applications to for quarter four uh, this year. Great, and as you just alluded to, Barry, really, I mean after.
1: Well, goodness knows how many years, decades, and uh, maybe in the in the in the planning and preparation. Once you submit that development consent order, there's a very fixed timescale moving forward from there, isn't there? Is it 18 months to process, and and then, secretary of state has a fixed time to respond. So you know this, it's it, it's kind of happening,
3: isn't it? It's it's extremely exciting, and mm. there is, as you say, a a fixed time frame which uh, will be really important that we all keep to, and, and that, that will then allow us by the middle of 2022, 18 months, as you say, after put the application in, to, uh, to have our planning permission. And, and then we can get on with the real work, which is... Building the runway and uh, ensuring passengers yeah. can fly to lots of different places they can't fly to today, and uh, not just passengers, but also you know, also lots of in fact trade as well. Cargo will will increase as as, as we open up um, places around the world, which currently Heathrow can't get to directly. So yeah. you know, England can't get to, the UK can't get to directly. Mm-hmm. They will be able to in the future. Brilliant. Um, and as and so as you
1: say, moving into a dynamic order process it means you now know pretty much what you want to build and how you want to build it. So, how has it changed over the last year or so as you've done these consultations? Are there any kind of significant changes that, that people are going to see? You're,
3: you're
1: still you're still building over the M
3: twenty five, aren't you? And Things like that. So, so the main um, the main pieces are still the same. So. The runway is still three and a half kilometres long. As you say, the motorway uh, will be moved and lowered, so the runway can go over the top. Where we've been working really hard is around the boundary, actually. So we're working with all our local communities and and, and stakeholders and local councils to ensure that we're doing the right things with the local roads and and, and 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 ultimately things like that, such that the local community becomes part of this. So an awful lot of the feedback has been around the edges. Of you like rather than what's in the middle of the airport so you're not going to see great changes but there are minor changes to where roads go junctions are uh, Where you know we're going to put car parks, things like this. Uh, uh, there are some some changes which are really important to certain local communities, but actually the main bulk of what we want to do has been fixed now for a while. That the runway three and a half yeah. kilometres long to the northwest, and, and that position is 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 fixed, and we will continue, you know, in that location. But yeah, and we'll continue, of course, to work mm. with our local communities and and to ensure that we get all these things right because it's really important. It's done. You know well, and and we, you know, people who live around Heathrow can carry on going to school, going to work, etc. As we get into this, just as, as as important as we can continue to run, um, you know, Heathrow while we expand Heathrow.
1: Okay, and so and so then yes, yeah, so talking about doing it well, I guess that moves us neatly on to how you're going to deliver it, how you're going to procure it. Um, again, you've you've been very open, and you've done a lot of market engagement or, already. Um, I know. Um, around how you are going to deliver this thing differently, which is after all a pretty sizable construction project you know in a reasonably congested part of West London. so uh, so you're still seeking to use the, the, the principles in, embodied in the in the ICS project 13 movement I, I gather and, and so how are you yeah, how are you developing the procurement
3: ideas? Yep, so so there's lots and lots of work going on and we're going to do regional market engagement. Uh, and also looking at particular topics. So that's how the market engagement will develop from the the um the large market engagement event we held in Birmingham uh, in September last year. so so we'll be going regionally looking at, at, at particular topics, the topics that are going to come first, like you know the earthworks, the roads, the rivers, the the, the runway, et cetera. And you're absolutely right. How we want to do it is based on the principles of Project 13. We're using those principles to, 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 to develop our model, but, but the principles of Project 13 are deeply embedded in what Heathrow expansion is going to be. And, and we are one of the early adopters of Project 13 and continue to be so, continue to be fully engaged in that process. And we're learning as we go, learning off you know, there are, you know, the other projects that are involved and 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 the other clients are involved in, in Project 13. The the other thing is that we we also have been developing our off-site logistics hub. So if you think of modern methods of construction, so the how we want to do this, we're very keen that uh, components of Ether expansion are made in factories, and those components are brought to our hubs. There'll be four hubs around four of the regions of the UK where we will then bring together components, do some in fact pre-assembly in the hub, and then deliver to Heathrow very efficiently just in time. So the hub process is, is very exciting. We're, we're out to tender at the moment and there are still 18 locations in, in the competition and we'll be announcing the four winners uh, later on this year. So, so that will be, and that will again will, will really be a statement of intent that we're going to do this differently and modern methods of construction are going to come right to the fore that's interesting because um I remember
1: back in uh, last last May would it have been at our future of airports conference you put the the map up showing where all the all the kind of shortlisted contenders were and and now there, there was a pretty decent geographical spread on that i seem to recall with some with some fairly you know prominent obvious ones as well um so is it still a nice geographically spread map with
3: now down to 18. There is a good spread around, you know, all the countries and the regions of the UK. And there's competition going on, uh, which we will, you know, look at shortly and and start to decide uh, where those four are going to be. And as you say, it's going to be a difficult, well, it will will be a difficult task. There's there's some very, very keen bidders who are very keen to be involved in Heathrow expansion. I think also people are seeing this as an opportunity to do things differently, not just at Heathrow, but, uh, you know, for other projects. In the future, so mm-hmm. so we really do think this uh, when we you know get this set up properly, which we will uh, later on this year, we'll we'll see people thinking differently and thinking about how they're going to go about design and construction in a different way. Hmm. Um, any top tips for any of those 18 listening right now? No top tips at all. No, there's, there are 18 in there and there are still 18 and we're going through a, a, a process to ensure we get the right answer. Excellent. And and actually, I mean, uh, well, obviously early early days in
1: all that, but it is an intro, you know, when you picture four, I mean, it is really, you know, it, as you touched on it there, it really is an opportunity to really kind of kickstart that whole modern methods of construction thinking, um, proper factory thinking you know not as someone described to me um, earlier today that um, there's a you know there's a difference between a you know a production factory and a and a, and a shed um, a production factory implies there's something going in and something coming out on a fairly regular basis so you know these things potentially could be picked up and used by other clients other projects so I think that's We've talked about that before, and other, other
3: stages, haven't we? Is, is that still a possibility in our other clients? Yes, uh, we're absolutely fine with other people joining in. There is no no issue with that at all. We'd be delighted, and we want to work with as many people as possible because we do see that the the real opportunity is the factories grow at the same time, and therefore the opportunity for people living in the area where the hub is and the factory is to to grow and learn and uh, do you know do things better. Cause ultimately th- this move for off-site is, is, is for a number of reasons uh, and, and one of the key reasons is working in a factory is safer than working on a construction site and generally people who work in factories live near the factory near their family their friends etc so there's a huge amount of safety and health and well-being built into this as well as getting better quality and also when one gets to site these things we put together once mm. and so there won't be so much waste and ultimately productivity will improve so so there's a real golden thread of good opportunity here which I think we with the with the size of Heathrow expansion we can prove this uh, many many times over and and I, I absolutely hope others will will come and join us at the hubs yeah I mean I, I don't think
1: you can underplay can you the importance of that taking the the Travel bit out of the 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 workforce in in the construction industry. As we all know it's a massive contributor to the to the big mental health issues that affect the construction industry today. So I guess yeah, anything that's starting them, starting seriously, starting the wheel turning on 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 that has got to be support it. Right?
3: Yeah I, I mean we can completely support that. The more we can do to ensure there are jobs for local people where they want the jobs and they haven't got to travel on a Sunday night or early on a Monday morning and then then on a Friday evening or whatever. Uh, and we think it's absolutely right that we, we work as, as hard as we can to keep the, the work in in the local area. There will be uh, people who doubtless have to travel but we would like to think that, that is, would be significantly less than it would have been if we just followed a traditional route.
2: I suppose one thing that's emerged since you started the third runway project, or even I suppose restarted it, is the net zero debate. How has that impacted the project and your work? And I suppose particularly, um, or perhaps more to the point, how is the supply chain and engineering sector going to help you make the expansion as low carbon as possible?
3: So uh, there are three types of carbon that, that we are really focusing on from an expansion perspective. And the first is how do we use less carbon to run these buildings in the future? So designing buildings and infrastructure that in use uses less or no carbon is, is absolutely key. And you're right, yeah. the engineers, designers, architects, et cetera, are being challenged by us to produce buildings that use less energy basically. And so that, that's a key uh, starting point. And then, uh, what's actually? What, what are these buildings and infrastructure actually built out? So, how can we reduce the carbon embedded in the materials? Basically, so how can we reduce the carbon in the concrete, in the steel? And, and we're challenging again designers, but also manufacturers and contractors to, to to find ways to reduce the amount of carbon that is in these materials that we've used for years and years and years. And there's some great research going on, uh, you know, in, in a number of places, which we we will use as we challenge the industry to reduce the amount of carbon that's actually embedded. And then thirdly, it's the amount of carbon that's used as, as we build. So are we using you know, the best machines to do it? Are we using as few machines? Are we filling loads? All these things are good practice but we can take all that to another level with different types of vehicles etc and we're t- we're talking to the people who actually you know make the vehicles manufacture them just as much as we are to the contractors who's going to you know either rent or buy them and use them and and uh, so th- so there's three places where we're looking for a lot of help basically and that is when we're actually in use so so when we're going to you know, these buildings will be there for yeah. 40 50 70 years and the infrastructure 120 years so there's a huge in use period but just as importantly let's let's Ensure we we actually embody as little carbon as possible, and we use as little carbon as we possibly can as we construct. So we, we're trying to break it down into those three areas, and then challenge the right uh, teams to to uh, in, and and we will target with with actual targets, and we're getting to that point. But but initially, we just need to set out how we're going to do it, and then we'll start targeting the teams on you know percentage reductions, etc. Brilliant and and
1: clearly to be encouraged, and and I wonder. I mean, picking one of those those three key areas the idea is I guess the embodied carbon in what what we choose to design and then and then build Um, and maybe this perhaps will bring in some of that project 13 principle around let's all focus on the outcome here which is less embodied carbon well it often comes up that uh, when you talk to designers certainly is you know how can we design lower carbon structures um, when the standards say you know big factors of safety etc etc which Tends to involve, you know, having bigger beams, bigger columns, bigger everything you actually need in in serviceability. So, were well, you as a as a as a Project 13 intelligent client, is are those the sort of conversations you'll be willing to have with with designers we'll, and uh, to to really kind of rethink the extent to to
3: the principles we're designing to? Definitely. So, so we we absolutely in some places need to go back. To first principles because uh and as you say concrete beams are sometimes made the way they are because it's easy to, to have a particular shape hmm. but actually if you look at the design you don't there may be 20% more carbon uh, sorry more in fact concrete than you actually need or steel just because of the way we construct things and the way we construct things temporarily as well. Mm-hmm. So there is a first principles piece for the engineers to get stuck into to say right are we using the right amount of material, can we use less material it may look different or, or we may challenge the standards as well and, uh, and, and, and heat expansion is a very very long um, programme of work so we're going to be doing this work over you know 20 to 30 years and so therefore there are Opportunities to do some, some in fact trials and, and, and all these sort of things as well to to challenge standards. So so we're we're up for for all of that. Um, at, at the end of the day, it, we want to then they also work with probably you know government clients who are using even more of these materials than we are. So it would be good to be. You know, working with the people building roads or railways, etc., mm. such that we're doing things together rather than Heathrow going off. You know, in a particular. So it'll be key that we challenge, but I think it's got to be uh, then work with others to make sure that challenge is is sensible and is going to be, you know, reused in the industry. Basically,
1: mm. no, a- excellent, and 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 I'm sure as you as you say, in terms then actually when you actually get on to start building these things, um, you're yeah, the world class equipment which has next to no carbon emissions all that sort of stuff i mean fortunately you're a little bit further down the line at that when you actually start building it so i, I can only imagine in push things on three four five years and and you know the, the supply end of the industry will be will be producing equipment which is massively more efficient massively lower carbon than it is today
3: so i guess there's plenty to aim at there isn't there there is and there are already small machines which are not using diesel anymore they're using you know um electric engines uh and and it's the size of the machine that that is challenging but they're also you know uh it doesn't have to be diesel all the time so they can be you know part electric part diesel you know hybrids and and certainly talking to the people that actually make these machines that 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 is being called for all over the place. So I, I completely agree with you. In three or four years' time, we will be able to say, right, you know, rather than it being fifty percent electric, we want seventy-five percent electric, or whatever, because it'll have got to a certain point, and then we'll we'll be able to take it a stage further. And so that, that and then it's really important when you're using the kit that it's used efficiently. If you're idling, you, you're not idling, you turn it off. And, and this, this, again, is becoming common practice. But, but it, it really needs to be built into you know, how everyone's going to work such that we keep the emissions as low as possible.
2: So net zero is clearly one area the industry can do much to help you. Um, in what other ways can it do better in what it does?
3: So I, I, I think that starts with us as the client. So we, we will set teams up to be successful and to be different. So it's it's incumbent on us following Project 13 principles we talked about earlier, to set the teams up at the right time such that they can get involved. Because I I think um, if we're gonna make modern methods of construction work, if we're gonna really componentize design, that needs to be thought about right from the start. So traditionally, doing things offsite with us at Heathrow has been introduced as we've been going through the process. There's been a traditional design, and then somebody has said, well, why don't we do this differently, do it offsite? So what you then do is design it again, and then you do it offsite, which is fine. But this time, what I want to do is do it completely up front. So if I'm an engineer sitting in a you know design office, I want those engineers to be thinking about how am I going to componentize my design early, therefore I've got to think about what components are available. So rather than create something from scratch there's effectively a catalogue of components saying right as we build up our design we're going to use that catalogue of components because we know there are factories near Heathrow's hubs that can make those components or will you know will be able to make those components so there's a mindset shift for design engineers for architects and and people in the first stage of this work to think about how it's going to be done differently so and then there's a whole process that follows through because then there's also, um, it's not just the engineers, but people are going to buy this as well, because it, it won't be then a traditional buy through a first year. Some of it will, but there'll be other things we want to buy in bulk from factories. And we do this already with steel and with sand and gravel and you know cement, the sort of bulk materials, but there's more we can do in that space so that we we actually buy maybe you know space in a factory or components from a factory, and then those components or space are used by... You know our engineers and and, and companies that are going going to get involved so so that to me is a massive opportunity for people to think about this differently get involved early and and come with solutions that are going to hopefully be you know catalyzed by the fact that we've got these hubs because the idea of the hubs early is that it changes thinking it's not not, not just something that it, it will change people's thinking so they can be used really efficiently
1: mm. and who's helping you with some of that stuff are there, you know industry? Um, bodies. I'm, I'm I suppose I'm thinking things like the, the the core innovation hub, things like that. Are, are there things out there which are going to help us make this mindset change?
3: So, so we um, are you know working with a number of industry bodies. So uh, we work with Constructing Excellence, um, who we work with. In fact, I3P, the uh, infrastructure in- industry innovation portal. Uh, we are certainly liaising with the construction innovation hub so we're working with BRE particularly in, in there so uh, there are all, all sorts of areas where we're either working actively or we're sharing ideas because, because Heathrow we're always keen to to share because what we don't want to be doing is going off and doing something and then the industry is moving in a, in, a, in a different direction so part of its actual work to to improve it and, and part of it then is sharing to give us confidence that we're going in the right direction but but we're tied into to all of those areas and we will continue to be so as we see the industry moving relatively quickly at the moment and and we want to be part of that
1: cool i mean, you, you- Chair or co-chair, pretty much all those bodies you just mentioned, don't you, Phil?
3: I, I co-chair i3P and also Constructing Excellence, but uh, <laughs> that, that that that's an opportunity that, that we've uh, we've had because uh, you know, I've been involved in in projects at Heathrow for a, for a long time, and I've seen these bodies help us. Constructing Excellence helps us a very long time. i3P is a newer mm-hmm. initiative came out of um, Crossrail and Thames Tideway. <laughs> Uh, but th- those initiatives we see as being really important. So uh, we, we feel it's important we get in behind them. A part of getting in behind them is me you know, giving some time and some energy and some thought to to how the, these bodies can work and share and and, and not only improve Heathrow, but improve mm. the industry more generally. Yeah, I see. You didn't mention the ICE there, Phil. What, what can the ICE do to help you? The, uh, you can, <laughs> the ICE can do lots to help us, I think the ICE are obviously hosting Project 13 at the moment, and uh, that started in the in, in the in the in the infrastructure client group um, and I see you have seamlessly taken that on and developing it very effectively and so I, I spend time you know with, with, with the IC working on project 13 and and as do some of my colleagues and we will continue to do so we're also with with the IC very interested in you know each year there's a new in, in fact president and that president has got a view on how the industry's moving so you know Paul Sheffield's doing that this year you know I, I, I've been talking to Paul about you know, his message about simplicity, getting things right, etc. Yeah. But these are important messages that, that, that come through. And, and of course, all the whole industry is listening to that. We work with a lot of the industry, so we, we can get joined up through these yeah. things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, feels like we're heading in the right direction. Are you confident, Phil? Is 2020 going to be the year for Heathrow? 2020 is a really, really important year. Our planning application is going in. They're all important years, but it is important and it's another huge step forward for the expansion of Heathrow, which is such an important project, programme for the UK, so we can connect the whole of the UK to global growth, which is what we want to do, enable people and goods to travel to and from places they want to go to around the world. Brilliant. Well, wish you luck, Phil.
1: Congratulations on what you've done, Chief, so far. And let's hope, yeah, that DCO goes in and goes through quickly. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Well, that is um, the first episode of the Engineers Collective for 2020, uh, brought to you in association with Bentley Systems. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we shall be back with the next episode next month. Until then, thank, thank you for you. listening.